Welcome back to another episode of In the Works from Career Services at the University of Calgary. My name is Lawrence, and I'll be joined by a few of my colleagues in a couple of moments here. And that's because today we are going to be doing a Q&A episode. Over the last few weeks, we collected questions from students through our social media, and so we'll answer those questions on the air today. So you should all know my co-host, David. Hello, hello. How's everybody doing today? We also have our career development specialist for master students, Matthew. Hi there. Um, thanks for having me on your show. I'm, I'm looking forward to these challenging questions. <laughs> and finally, we have our career development specialist for PhD students, Charlotte. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be here today. Hey, perfect. Let's get right into it then. All right, so I guess first question, um, I guess we kind of answered it in last month's episode uh, about resumes, but still we'll kind of answer it here just to kind of get thought from everybody else. So how do you make a resume that stands out to employers? Well, I'll, I'll jump in to start with. I, I think the, the biggest tip is to target it or focus your resume on the needs of the employer. So a resume for a summer job is going to look a lot different than, say, a resume for a professional job. And, you know, it really depends on the specific job posting, but really, really focus on the needs of the employer and highlight the skills that they're seeking. I think that's my biggest tip is to really be thoughtful about how you create your resume. Mm -hmm. I would also like to add that uh, one of the things that you might want to do to your resume is to make it keyword rich. And uh, talking about keywords, think about the specialized words that are used in your specific industry and make wise use of them on your resume. Also think about a resume that is simpler to interpret. Always think about the reader when you write. So make it very easier for the employer to read and digest and understand because you won't be there to defend it. But also too, I think to find out about what resume appeals to employers, I think find through your network, like, like talk to your network and talk to people that work at that company and, and, and see if you can get some, some insider information about what they're looking for. My only thought is though, I wouldn't just use the networking to find out about the resume. I think no. sometimes that's what students do. They reach out and all they want to know is, you know, do I have a good resume? What do I do with it? And I think if that's all you do, then you really um, underuse the whole, the, your network or your networking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's not very effective networking, right? It's a lot of take and no give, right? So, um, but what about kind of other parts of the resume? Uh, what about the content? Any thoughts on that? When you're writing resumes, it's very important to keep off buzzwords because uh, some of these words have been overused and they have gotten to a point where recruiters are just tired of seeing them on our resumes. So some words like passionate, those are very good words, but are there other words you can use to describe how passionate you are about something so that it's just not a word in a document, but they can see it demonstrated on the rest of your resume. And that's why I don't like it when, when somebody puts, oh, I'm hardworking on a resume. Exactly. That's, yeah. it, mm -hmm. it, it doesn't, you can't say it about yourself. You have to have other people say it about you. So I, I think it's really putting really amazing accomplishment statements in your resume. And then they'll say, oh, this David is very hardworking. Let's call mm -hmm. him for an interview. 
So yeah, it, it, you have to kind of watch what you put into your resume. Absolutely. Okay. Wow. There's a lot of great tips there. Definitely more to the resume than meets the eye. But I think, yeah, more importantly, just being strategic about it, I think is it's one way, right? Don't just treat it like your simple document and just putting stuff together, but really try to come up with a purpose and strategy for that resume. Okay, so the next question, which is sort of related to the resumes, but what are some job search websites that you recommend? And actually, I'm just going to jump in here before anybody else goes. Uh, we all know of Indeed and LinkedIn, right? Those are two very uh, popular sites to search for jobs. And I really do think they cover like a vast amount of the positions that are out there. Um, I mean, we'll talk a little bit more about maybe some other ways to to look for jobs online. Uh, but I think uh, those two websites there cover a good chunk already. Um, because, yeah, I think you can search for location and stuff like that, obviously. But I think also you want to keep your keywords general. You know, when you're being too specific, uh, then, yeah, it might not always turn up right the results but i think kind of being general and so sometimes i actually what i like to do personally is just even just search up careers as kind of the keyword there and see what comes up right you're going to get a lot but you'll kind of have to manually kind of look through the positions and things like that but at least in that way you're kind of casting your net wider mm -hmm. i like glassdoor because it tends to have some reviews uh, that come with it and you know some idea it's it's never accurate but it has an idea of pay it has an idea of what it feels like working for a company i like indeed it's normally readily available it's something you can find all the time they have jobs and stuff like that i love linkedin and specifically because you get to see who works there now how do i use that for my advantage i use that when i'm creating cover letter I prefer cover letters that are addressed to somebody specific. So LinkedIn comes in handy because sometimes you're lucky to find the name of the person who posted the job or you get an opportunity to, you know, check on the page of the company and see who's working there and find a name that you can put on your cover letter. Okay, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, hey, the best job board in the entire world is CareerLink. My goodness, we should all be, like, especially University of Calgary. I mean, that's a job board that is only University of Calgary students can access. So I think students should be starting there. And CareerLink is expanding. It's, 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 it's great. It's taking right? over the world. <laughs> it's, it's, well, I mean, it's a university job board, but yeah, I like CareerLink. And the other really good job board that I like and I promote to students is ReachHire.ca, which is a job board for nonprofit jobs. But sometimes, because remember now, I, I'm an undergraduate career development specialist, so I'm helping more students get entry-level jobs. And I always promote the nonprofit uh, industry to students with limited experience. So I really recommend reach hire as well. Mm -hmm. um, I, I do want to add one point, no matter what job board you use or whether you use LinkedIn, I think it's once you find a posting, the best thing to do is to go to the company website and apply on the company website and not apply through Indeed or not even apply through LinkedIn. I think um, that's far better. And it also shows that you're taking initiative. And it's also Good to realize that some of the job postings say on Indeed might be really old. So you might think it's it's open and that you can apply, but in reality, it's an old job posting and, and it's no longer active. So you're in one sense, you could waste your time applying for a job that just doesn't exist anymore. 
Okay, so does anybody have recommendations on, again, maybe some of the lesser known resources or websites to look for jobs? Sometimes there are job boards for specific um, industries. I, I think you can find those uh, through um, talking to people uh, on our degree profiles. Um, they also list industry specific job boards. I think, um, or not I think, I know that some associations will post jobs or some organizations will post uh, specific jobs like EcoCanada will have jobs related to the environment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good example. And there are plenty of like professional associations and groups out there. Um, but yeah, in order to sometimes get access to those uh, postings, you may need to be a member. So just something to look into. But definitely that can be another resource to look for jobs online. Okay, well, we've had a lot of great thoughts so far, but let's take a bit of a break from the Q&A portion here and go into our next segment, Real People, Real Careers. And today we have Aaron Quinton as our guest, who is actually a good childhood friend of mine, and we still keep in touch. That's why I was able to get him on the show. Um, but to give you a little bit more of a profile about him, he completed his chemical engineering degree at the UFC back in 2015. Spent a little bit of time uh, working for Deloitte uh, as part of his internship, as well as a couple of years after he graduated. Then he moved on to completing the Masters of Data Science at UBC. I ended up teaching it for a little bit after that. But now he works officially as a data scientist at BCAA, or British Columbia Automobile Association. Interviewing him is David and our student co-host, Jing Feng. And let's hear more about what he does. So my current role, I, I currently work as a, I guess, what is called a data scientist. Uh, and then and to maybe add a little clarity there is for, for, for those maybe a little unfamiliar, um, there's a definition I heard not too long ago that as what, what is data science? And, and uh, the definition that I really liked was it's, it's the science of making data useful, right? So all these companies have a lot of data, but at the end of the day, there, there, there's, there's techniques uh, to make that data useful, whether it is, you know, finding insights, building models, actually actionable things. Um, and so that's, that's kind of what a data scientist does is tries to take this data and make it useful. And so I work as part of the underwriting analytics team at BCA. And so underwriting analytics is related to insurance and the work has been predominantly around travel insurance, which is some crazy times to be doing travel insurance because no one is traveling. Um, but it, I've got to see a unique look at, at how, how little people are traveling, I guess, um, and, and buying travel insurance. And so that's, that's what my work has been doing right now is trying to build um, take this data and, and maybe build dashboards for marketing, uh, but also look at other kind of pricing sensitivities and, and other projects around travel insurance. So what are some areas that you find challenging about your current role? Uh, yeah, so areas that I find challenging, I think for starters, I have no experience insurance. This was, um, it's funny, I didn't really know what an actuary was. Uh, I think that, and that's a, someone who, that's a degree in itself to be an actuarial uh, scientist or actuary. I had no idea what that was until maybe two years ago. And I think that's a bit of big challenge is just acclimating to the different jargon of insurance. And that's something I think is really neat about data science in general is it's not confined to a specific domain. You can be in healthcare, you can be in tech, and in this case, in insurance. And I'm still able to hopefully, I'll have to ask my manager, but I'm still able to add value. And I think that's the exciting part is you're able to add value in a domain that I don't have a lot of experience in quite yet. 
but you're building this experience and you're starting to learn about this domain um, from a different angle. Okay, so we, what's a, a unique skill that you bring to this job? Because I mean, we all, it's, we all do jobs differently. So what, what's something that you bring to the job? Yeah, so I think, and something that maybe a professor had told me, and this is something that I, I approach every job with, is this idea of don't reinvent the wheel. You know, stand on the shoulders of giants, which is a bit cliche or cheesy, but but really what it means is when I, when I go to a job, I, there's so much information, there's so many smart people out there that have already done similar problems, similar work. Um, and, and sort of my approach is to do a lot of research, to figure out what that stuff was. And so an example of that is even with the coronavirus on Twitter, for instance, there's a lot of people publishing really interesting models or interesting data visualizations. And I can look at this and be like, oh, that's really interesting. I can totally apply this to, you know, my a, a problem I have. And so my approach with kind of all my work now, but throughout my career has been, let's do a lot of research, see what other people have done and apply that to my use case. Um, it, it does maybe require a lot of late nights of research where you, uh, and, and, and sometimes it feels like there's, um, yeah, you're doing, doing more research than you should, but I find, it, I think that maybe bodes well to the field of data science as well. Working as an engineer, I couldn't really Google, and I worked in the oil and gas space, and it was tough to Google like, oh, you know, a particular problem that I was working on, like how do I evaluate this particular oil field in Saskatchewan? Um, there's not a lot of things that get um, come up, maybe some technical papers, whereas in data science, you can, you know, what's a cool way to visualize relationships, you know, networks, and then you'll get tons of stuff. And so for me in data science, it, it could just be, a, and people have called it a very sexy field. And, and I couldn't agree more because it, it, there's so much out there and so much the, I think they really embrace this, um, this open source mentality. So, so many people publish this stuff for free. Um, and that really lets, it's, it's a really good, um, I think environment for me to work where I can take advantage of this open source stuff, research and apply it to my career. So now let's go back to your education. So when you're younger, that's what was your career plan? Do you have a career plan? Yeah, no, but you know, it's funny. I, the short answer, but I will make a long one, but the short answer is no. Um, when I, the long version is I hadn't the slightest clue what I wanted to do. Um, I guess when I was in high school, I was just good at math and physics and chemistry uh, and terrible at biology. I think I dropped out of biology twice um, and terrible at, at English and social. And so I think for me, it just, all my friends who were in the similar boat as I, they all went into engineering. And so that's what I ended up doing is saying, okay, let's just go take engineering. That's what people do if they're good at math and science. And there was a part of me that also wanted to do teaching. Uh, and so I think that was also on the back of my mind, maybe I'll teach, um, but for now let's go in engineering and go from there. So I think that was the most, that was the extent of my career planning when I was younger. Um, and my career plan now, I think when I was, when I was even choosing my internship at Deloitte, I didn't really base it off of much other than I liked the people who interviewed me and the lobby at Deloitte has this like beautiful waterfall. And I was like, yeah, I, I could see myself working here. Um, and I think that's, that was my criteria at the time. It kind of led me down the, the path that I'm at and, and uh, I'm super grateful for that experience. 
Okay, so and and you like one thing I'm really enjoying about talking with you, Aaron, is you seem very passionate and excited and positive about kind of what you're doing, right? And and it's kind of interesting. Your career kind of happened to you while you were busy doing other stuff, just working hard and and things like that. But when did you realize that you you were in the right place? Yeah. So it's funny, although I, I the whole journey has felt in a way like I was in the right place because I really, right. I really enjoyed just working and helping and adding value, but, but you're, you're absolutely right. I think there is a moment in particular that I noticed sort of that aha moment that, oh, this is definitely the career I want to be in. And maybe this doesn't apply to everyone, but for me, it, it's, it's when my work and the lines between my work and personal life, it's when they started getting blurred. I noticed when I was working at Deloitte doing oil and gas evaluations, I, I was very clear the separation like oh i go home and i'm no longer doing oil and gas evaluations like i have this clear work and personal um whereas currently now i really don't have that and i like that i like that for me maybe it's a sign of being workaholic but for me not feeling like i'm working not feeling like you know there is this blurry line blurry relationship and for me that's like oh i'm doing the right thing wow it sounds like a great fit for you right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, do you have a role model during your childhood who influenced you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'd say for me, my biggest sort of role models and, and inspirations along the way really have been my direct like supervisors and managers. And, and I think it, it probably comes from, I, don't, I think I respond well to authority, but it comes from a place of admiration. And I think it's really helpful to, to, to work in a place where there are people that are much smarter than you. Um, and, and you're kind of, and I think there's a funny quote or something. You want to be the, the, the least intelligent person in a room because that's, you know, it's a good room. Um, and I think that's kind of how I felt um, at all my different careers is, or different kind of jobs is you, you see these people that are way smarter than you. You can learn so much more from. And, um, and I think that's going to be more true now at BCAA, which is, yeah, that my managers are just so smart. And I think that's where a lot of inspiration comes from is you see these people that, oh, maybe I can get to there um, if I you know, keep working. Okay, now for the fun part of the podcast, really, this is my fun part for me is, is the tips, right? So it's, this is kind of a fill in the blank statement, but don't go into data science, career path. If you are... So I think we'll start with the basics. Do not go into data science if you don't like being on a computer and sitting down for, for God knows how long. Uh, my hip flexors are very tight. My, yeah, like you just, it's not the field for you if you don't like being on a computer. Um, we'll start with that. And I think more conceptually, I wouldn't go into the field. Yeah, if you don't like to blur your, your and maybe, I'm premature. Maybe there's some people who can do this well, but blur your personal uh, and 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 uh, work-life balance because I do think there's a lot of in tech in general and in software engineering. There's a lot of people who do have side hustles and side projects and staying on top of the field. It's coming to the point where it almost requires that. I think where you have a lot of people who they're 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 although they do yeah, they go above and beyond their jobs. I think that's important. Um, I don't want to rule it out because I, I think it's unfair to expect people to work that much, but it comes with this connotation or that if you do work at all these side hustles, you must love what you do. And I think that's what interviewers look for. So what are the bonus about, about working in this field? So 
I, I mean, the biggest perk for me is this problem solving mentality. It's super fulfilling getting to just solve problems and see tangible value. Um, and in particular, the, the skills that you develop are so applicable to, to everything. And I mean that, so for instance, I, you know, I've learned all these data science skills. Well, now I, I start keeping track of all the groceries I spend, you know, and I try to build a model on like, oh, where's the best place to get a deal? When's the next sale coming, right? So these are interesting real world applications that you can apply to your life, whether it's oh, what's, you know, how long is the average wait time for elevator when I go to my building at home? You know, it's just, it's interesting to see these skills apply to literally your day-to-day -day life. Okay. Um, what advice or tips would you give new graduates kind of entering the job market now? I would, I think that the cheesiest advice is definitely do something that you like and something that you're passionate about. And, and just that comes with motivation. When you, when you like something, you, you, you're going to be more motivated. And, and I always often wonder what comes first is if you're, maybe it's a bit of a tangent, but if you're good at it, do you, do you like it? Or if you like it, become good at it. I never know which one comes first, but I do think if you're, if you like it and you spend time, you will become good at it and, um, and you'll like it even more. And so I think chase your passions because if you're not good at them, because you will become good at them. And um, I think, and then from a, maybe from a network side of point of view, I think that's super important now, even with uh, everything being remote. I think networking is so hard because it gives, I, my, I'm someone who is very comfortable with networking because it feels slimy. It feels like I'm trying to get something out of this relationship. It doesn't feel genuine. Now, that's not the case. That's not necessarily true at all. That's just how my experience with networking. Um, so how I've sort of combated that is I tried in all of these networking relationships, I've tried to make sure I'm like, I try to see it and say, what can I add to this engagement? Um, and so sometimes it's a matter of reaching out to people, offering them things that I think I could help them with. So although I feel like I mentioned that to me, it feels slimy. I have net, I get a lot of people messaging me on LinkedIn, asking me about um, how to become data scientist, let's say, and not once do I think they're slimy. So that's not true. Basically what I'm saying is, is I love helping people if they message me. Um, and so it should be the same for me to message other people. And so A, don't worry about thinking you're, it's a disingenuous relationship because people really like helping other people. Uh, I think more or less, but B, if you still can't shake that, that feeling of um, maybe taking and not giving, try to think of ways that you can give. Um, I think that makes networking, the dynamic feel a little more comfortable. Okay, awesome. And one thing to note, if anybody who's listening to this is interested in the field of data science and has more questions, I am totally open to being reached out on LinkedIn and connecting and, and, and chatting there. So by any means, feel free to reach out. Awesome. Yeah, thank you so much, Aaron. Yeah, we really appreciate it. And uh, good luck to you in your, your future career journey and, and keep being passionate and keep doing quality work. To listen to this episode again or to hear previous ones that we have aired, you can go to ucalgary.ca slash careers. So we are back on In the Works. Early in the show, we were just answering some questions that we had received over the last couple of weeks. Uh, we talked a little bit about resumes as well as uh, job boards. So now let's continue on with the third question and welcome in my colleagues, David, Matthew, and Charlotte. Uh, so it's a bit general, I guess, but you can kind of just give me your uh, thoughts on it. The question is, how do you secure a job before graduation? I, I think one of the big things is 
because you've got to do something. Um, in that, I think I've noticed that the students who do get jobs either, um, well, shortly after they graduate or maybe even before they graduate, they tend to be students who are very active. And by active, I don't mean, well, they're active in their job search, but even apart from that, they're typically students who are very, who do different things during school. They might volunteer and sometimes that volunteering leads into a position. Um, they might have, they might get a great summer job or they might get an internship and that could also lead into position. Um, and, and so, yeah, they're, they're students who are very active. They're doing things along with actively looking for work. Uh, I would also add that there are students who typically, when they do start looking for work, they don't wait to look for work one month before they graduate. They start early. They start networking early. They start, so if they're gonna graduate in the spring, they'll start networking in September. They'll start going to career fairs or to relevant events. They'll start doing information interviews. Yeah, and I also I totally agree with that. I, I think like we, with university students, it's you're a university student and you're getting a major, but that's a piece of the puzzle. Like it, you have other pieces to your puzzle. And I think the way to make your puzzle more attractive is to volunteer, make connections, network, find out, do an internship, do set up information interviews. And, but also ask for help, like, or let them know that you need a job or you're looking for a job and letting your network know what you're looking for and maybe they can help you. But you kind of do that at the end. You don't kind of approach companies in second year and say, hey, I'm looking for a job after I graduate. But if you can maybe approach those companies and, hey, I'm really curious, I'd like to learn more about your company, I might end up applying for an internship. Kind of start the curiosity sooner rather than later. But then I do think that when it does come time to like find a job, to let your network know that you need a job and you're looking for opportunities and get other people to help you right? It's not, job searching is not like a solo sport. It's a team sport and you want to get lots of people on your team. Mm -hmm. And I think even simple things like updating your LinkedIn can really give yeah. you that exposure that you need in the world of work. And, and then uh, getting, you know, upskill, keep, keep getting the right skills, keep learning, uh, because when you know that you are targeting a job by the end of graduation, you should have an idea what type of job it is, and you should be, you know, do some homework, go check what is it that they need for this job. If there are some licenses or some certifications they might require, as a student, you might have some room to do some of those before you, are, you graduate, so that by the time you're done, everything is ready. Right, and so I guess kind of just from the conversation here, the keyword really seems to be being proactive. And I guess, again, really depending on your case, it, you know, being proactive can mean different things. But overall, I think that means just, you know, doing your research and being aware of what's out there, what's required, um, gaining some experiences along the way, and really trying to plan ahead as, as best as you can. And then also, too, I want to, like, I don't like that 
find a job, find a job. I mean, we, we, we're career specialists. And I mean, I, I could help somebody find a job really quick, but that's not helping them with their career. So I think a lot of students maybe don't know what they want to do with the end of their degree. So university is perfect to try to practice jobs and, and to test jobs out to see if you want a career in that area. I, I want to add to that too, David. I really like that point. I think it's a lot, if you know what you want to do, or if you're excited about what you want to do, it's a lot easier to say, for example, do networking. Um, it's, hard to, it's hard to network for a position if you don't know what you want to do, or if you're not really interested in what you want to do. I think enthusiasm, passion, excitement about something uh, can really fuel your networking and it can help you uh, fuel your job search. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And of course, like, you know, sounds kind of intuitive, but yeah, I think a lot of this stuff just kind of sometimes just takes time, a little bit of kind of self-reflection and, you know, trying things out as we kind of talked about. All right. So we are almost out of time for today and actually we didn't get a chance to answer all the questions. So what we'll do is uh, we'll pick things up. Uh, tonight at 8 p.m., we'll have another uh, new episode for you. Uh, we'll finish off the Q&A as well as feature another guest. All right, so we'll talk to you then. 